It's 18 minutes before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk with myself, Ayabonga Tawe. And under the microscope this evening, we take a look at uh, the uh, challenges around uh, the uh, drought and uh, more importantly, uh, I guess, how we uh, ensure a water-secure future for us here in South Africa, uh, being a water-scarce country. And I'm joined on the line uh, to talk about uh, some of these issues here. And uh, I made mention of this earlier on. Uh, It certainly was a really jarring and I guess a gutting experience for me driving across to different parts of the Eastern Cape uh, uh, during the break that we had. And to see, uh, you know, Ngoma's file on the side of the road uh, in places like Lady Frere uh, and uh, in many other places just outside Queenstown, Nakototrecht and many other areas. Uh, and to see, you know, uh, fields that ordinarily at this time of the year uh, would have uh, been green with all manner of uh, produce planted uh, 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 during uh, the previous months and none of that we saw none of that uh, and uh, all you could see was very fallowed and dry uh, lands which uh, speak volumes about I guess uh, uh, this uh, challenge of climate change and we often speak about it in but it's actually here and uh, it uh, continues to have a material impact on uh, the uh, uh, day-to-day fortunes of people and uh, I would venture to say it's a bread and butter issue it's no longer just this issue or, or people uh, you know, in high stations in our society. But it is an issue that is facing all of us day in, day out. And the big question is, has our government uh, got a plan around this and uh, can we mount an effective response uh, to uh, this kind of climate variability and also ensure that our water management system is resilient enough to respond to this kind of shock? And joining me on the line now is Sputnik Ratau, spokesperson at the Department of Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation. That is Sputnik, good evening to you. Welcome to Metro FM Talk. Um, good evening, Ayabonga, and thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much. And Dallas Putnik, uh, I guess you would have heard the picture I was painting, certainly from what I had the opportunity to see over the break. And uh, many other people have shared their own experiences with me and uh, around some of the challenges here uh, and uh, issues of water scarcity. Just talk to us, uh, I guess, about uh, what you make, uh, not only of uh, the elements uh, or lack thereof and uh, the, this issue of climate variability and the impact that that has had on our water system as a country. Uh, what uh, what informs that response, and uh, more importantly, uh, I guess with some of the disasters that have been declared in many places in our country, uh, how have the relief uh, efforts uh, taken on? I want to say thanks, thanks again for, for, for the opportunity. I think uh, one of the things that we you are very correct about is that we are in a situation that is quite dire in the sense that notwithstanding, actually, the, the, I think the starting point is for us to, to accept the fact that we, we are a water-scarce country. We are a country that receives ordinarily, even at the best of times, less than world average rainfall. And therefore, we are not in any way comparable to some of the countries that are, um, uh, you know, uh, water-rich, for the lack of a, word, of a better word, and so on. So that, that that is the one part. Uh, the second part, that in, in which which you have alluded to, and which is very correct, is that the impact of climate change is upon us. Mm. Uh, it's something we cannot get away from. Uh, we've got climate variability. We've got difficulty even in the manner in which our colleagues at the South African Weather Service are able to correctly predict some of these things that we are we are we are uh, uh, building our hopes on. Whether we will have sufficient rainfall whether we will have rainfall at all, whether there are winter rains uh, in places like the Western Cape and the southern part of uh, the Northern Cape will actually happen. 
and and so on and so forth. We are in that situation where there is so much fluidity in the kind of weather patterns that we see. But we also have a a, 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 a growing population by by, by any uh, measure that obviously has got an impact as well on the available resources, on the available infrastructure, and as well as on on, on water availability in the ultimate. Um, And and we've got issues as well that that impact even further, issues of uh, alien vegetation, uh, issues of pollution Mm. and and, uh, vandalism and other matters. But obviously, as well as just the fact that some of our infrastructure was not in the initial stages designed for the kind of pressure that it is seeing right now with with the movement of people from especially rural areas Mm. to more Mm. urban areas. Uh, and so on. Okay. So that, those are some of the things that impact on where we are yeah. right now. I, I want us maybe to just you know take a look at uh, the water value chain itself and uh, maybe the different actors that are sitting in different places. And uh, uh, you'll assist me here. I mean, my understanding is that you know there, there would be bulk water supplies that would sit in a dam, and uh, those dams uh, would be under your ownership uh, in the main. Uh, but of course, and and even some of the water boards as well. And then, of course, that would be taken to a treatment plant, which in some cases would be owned by district municipalities and metros and uh, many others. Would you say that in many instances there's been a disjuncture around the prioritization of resources? Because you mentioned that uh, you know some of the infrastructure wasn't in the first place designed uh, uh, in anticipation for the kind of population growth or the extension of services to people who didn't have it before. But uh, in some instances, I guess uh, there's also been some form of governance failure uh, in ensuring that uh, the proper maintenance or the proper refurbishing of treatment infrastructure or even reticulation infrastructure actually happens. Yeah, it's a combination of sectors. Whereas when you look at the issues of bulk water supply, uh, which you, you are easily very well assured of as a country, because that is where the national department is responsible and is in the main being able to build the necessary infrastructure, uh, maintain that infrastructure to a, to a great degree, and be able to make sure that we are able to actually continue uh, uh, developing new sources of, uh, of, mm. of, of infrastructure as well as new sources of water. But obviously that cannot be a standalone, and that is why you correctly put it that once uh, the issues of reticulation happen, and that is beyond the treatment even, uh, then that is where some of these, these issues have arisen. And we have seen in a lot of uh, our, our uh, water services authorities, which is, which is not necessarily always the district municipalities, at times it's mm, local municipalities, sure. which at times, because of the lack of capacity, not necessarily capacity in terms of uh, 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 human bodies, but in the first instance, capacity to be able to attract the kind of skills that are required to be able to make sure that that infrastructure that is already in place, Mm. never mind new infrastructure, actually continues to operate optimally. Secondly, is even when that uh, capacity is attracted to those areas, to, to actually retain such capacity is very difficult because where there is not enough revenue for a municipality, where there is not enough uh, uh, income for the, for, the, for the municipality to be able to, to retain such capacity, you'll find that it is easily attracted to, uh, to greener pastures elsewhere. Mm. But also, you see, that what, 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 what especially Minister has been able to articulate lately is the fact that, uh, you know, that the fact that uh, according to the legal framework, we do not have a provincial competence 
by way of easily, if you look at other departments like health, like education and so on, where you have NECs in the provinces that are responsible for that sector. We do not have that. We have national department uh, responsible for bulk, and then you have local government responsible for 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 uh, reticulation, mm. and that intersecting uh, 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 um, uh, platform is kind of lacking for the lack of a better word. But that is where a lot of engagement has happened with uh, with the provinces to say where do we locate. Uh, services of water and sanitation within the provincial setup. And that is why you find in a lot of uh, uh, our provinces, the NEC for local government or COCTA or, or human settlements normally gets given that extra responsibility. Mm. But according to the legal sure. framework, we do not have that competence. Okay. And that is one of the things that mm. we are uh, heavily engaged in, okay. whether there will be a need sure. to look at a review of, 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 of the legal framework okay. to accommodate I want that. us to pause something that we might be able to look at. Okay, I want uh, us to pause there for a second. Seven minutes it is before 9 p.m. Under the microscope this evening, we take a look at how South Africa can build a uh, more secure water future. And I'm joined on the line by the spokesperson of the uh, uh, National Department for Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation, Sputnik Ratau. And uh, Dr. Ratau, you know, earlier on today, we were talking about, um, you know, one of, uh, I would say, maybe your sort of sister organizations or uh, as a public sector organization, one of the organizations within the state, ESCOM, and this issue around cost-reflective tariffs. And I know it's an issue not only just in the energy sector, but even for yourselves uh, in the water sector. And, and maybe my question is this. In, in some instances, we found that municipalities are unable to collect on some of the revenue uh, for the water that's already been used for all manner of, I guess, internal and even external reasons. Um, and uh, in some instances, are unable to pay you as the National Department for Bulk Water Provision. Uh, how much of this challenge around cost-reflective tariffs and the ability to collect revenue from people who consume water presents an operational risk to our water management system? That's a, that's a very important question, and, and it's, it's one of the, the, the bugbears, I think, for, for the department. And uh, in that, in, in, that, that is in the sense that we cannot, as a department, stop providing the service that we are supposed to provide. Um, and yet, uh, in the same vein, we, we really cry out to municipalities to be able to pay for the kind of services that we provide. And that is a, a very big uh, uh, issue that we are dealing with at the moment, because what we have seen, especially over the last few years, is an escalation of the kind of uh, revenue that we should have been receiving from municipalities and other entities for the kind of services we provide. For instance, if we are uh, 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 pro- providing raw water uh, that is abstracted by a- any anybody, be it a municipality or a water board and, and so on and so forth, we need to be uh, 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 reinvest for that for that kind of uh, uh, um, uh, service. But basically, it is not even to reinvest as, uh, for for the money that we have spent in order to provide that uh, service. But obviously, part of what we have to do is to keep that service going by way of making sure that we maintain our infrastructure. We are able to develop new infrastructure because without 
that kind of revenue, which is where what that money is supposed to do mm. to assist us to be able to look at the issues of R&D through our Water Research Commission, to be able to look at how we actually uh, go on to develop new bulk infrastructure for the country in order to secure our not just our economic future, but even all other areas of 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 of, of our livelihoods. Mm. And really, what we have seen over the last couple of years is an escalation of the kind of amounts that we are being owed by 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 by, by the by, by by the bodies that, mm. that that are owing us, most particularly uh, local government. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, your water master plan, uh, the National Water and Sanitation Master Plan, uh, looks at five key objectives, which. Uh, you know, I guess that the ministry feels will define a new normal for the water and sanitation industry in South Africa. And the one I'm quite interested in here is the equitable sharing and allocation of water resources. I mean, the fact that you would include that in there really implies that by your own assessment, there's inequitable access and sharing of some of the water resources. Paint a picture for us of how that works. I mean, many of us might just think it's you know, uh, a farmer of Antonder and his borehole there in some farm in the free state, uh, you know, extracting water and many others who have uh, considerable access to water in a water-scarce country and many others who have no access at all. Yes, it's, it's, it's one of the, the, the issues that we, we have been looking at in terms of our reform of, 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 of the legal framework that we are responsible for as, as a department and, and particularly the issue of, 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 of uh, allocation reform where we have recognized the fact that, you know, there are some of us, let's say myself, who has, who has had a, a long lead way, uh, you know, as, as, as opposed to, to Ayabonga, who's only starting out now. Mm. Uh, a perfect example that, that you are referring to would be that the agricultural sector, where the new uh, and, and, and upcoming uh, uh, entrants and players do not necessarily have the same access as, as what used to happen. But therefore, what does it require? One of the things, the first thing that it requires is that uh, our regulatory framework has got to be uh, uh, strengthened. And, and by way of strengthening, it means that uh, we have to actually make sure that the regulations that are in place are actually adhered to whether it be adherence to uh, water use license prescriptions, whether it be by way of making sure that the polluter pays where there is pollution, mm. whether it be by way of any other thing that says to us, if you don't make use of the allocation that you have, then you stand to lose it so that we can be able to share it elsewhere. But also just in terms of, like you were correctly saying, equitable access where it is not just about how long you've been in the, in, the, in the industry as to whether you deserve more, but it has to talk to what kind of impact you are able to make and what it actually means if you do not have access to the resource. So it's a balancing act that we are, we are, we are looking at. And obviously part of how we can be able to achieve that equitable share of this scarce resource is by looking at our uh, uh, legal framework and saying how do we strengthen that part to be able to make sure that the, the new entrants actually have got the same kind of uh, or even uh, uh, better access mm. to, 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 to where uh, uh, they were about five sure. or ten years ago. Just the last one briefly there. You mentioned water use licenses and other Sputnik. And uh, just briefly, uh, what is the department going to do to make sure that many of the emerging you know, black farmers 
uh, and many even subsistence farmers uh, who uh, have applied for these water use licenses and uh, I guess uh, for all manner of administrative inefficiencies have been waiting for too long uh, for some of these licenses. How are we going to speed up that process? Yes, one of, one of the directives that Minister has given is that we need to, to, to actually look at how we can reduce that, the kind of uh, time frame that have been set down for, for a license application to be, to be, to be finalized. Um, and, and that is move it away from about the 300 days that it is uh, 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 originally uh, uh, designed for mm. and maybe look at the time frame of uh, less than 60 days, maybe even something like 49 days, which is what is the ideal. Sure. Uh, obviously, that implies a lot of work has got to, be to, to happen in terms of really looking at how the process is made easier, mm. not made easier so that we can be able to, that, that, so that we flout the national water act that is not the intention but the intention is that we should be able to assist the applicants sure. to be able to actually go through the processes quite, quite quicker mainly to say how do we educate applicants in terms of what are the critical issues they have to look at when they make the applications because a lot of time gets spent where mm. insufficient information has been sure. given in the application okay. so there is a lot of time toing and flowing okay. uh, you know looking for 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 information okay. and stuff like that. Dada? We'll have to leave it there. And a big thank you to you for taking time out to speak to us this evening here on Metro FM. That is uh, Sputnik Ratao. He is uh, the national spokesperson for the uh, Ministry of Human Settlements, Water and Sanitation. Speaking to us this evening here on Metro FM Talk. The man with the music is here. Central is with you from 9 right through to uh, midnight for all of those uh, lovely sounds and jams. And uh, you have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Nanguku. Sisekulendo yoko yibanga le ikonon. A very happy new year to you from everyone here at Metro FM. Metro FM. Darling, I want you to listen. I stayed up all night so I can get this thing right.